We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. I found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that he can cut with violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month we meet, drink coffee, and talk cults, sects, and fringe religious groups from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners, as it will contain strong language, and we've got a content warning this episode for gore. Otherwise, we're all good. <laughs> Is anything ever all good when gore, gore? and magic? <laughs> gore and magic. Uh, welcome to our Halloween special. Ooh, our second ever. I don't feel, Sam, that it's currently spooky enough, so I brought some things to help us get in the Halloween spooky mood. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, listeners, what you can't see, and I'm sure you can hear, is John has a little carrier bag full of... ASMR. ASMR. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, we have a small pumpkin that looks... Oh, it's a tea light holder. We'll pop pictures of all this on our Instagram so you can see how spooky we are. And while John likes that, I will tell you about our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook group now. Come join us. Come chat to us. You can also find us on Instagram. Get hold of us uh, by email, coffeeandcults at gmail.com. You can also donate to us at ko-fi.com forward slash coffeeandcults or give us money on a more regular basis at patreon.com forward slash coffee and cults. Mm. So we've got a glowing uh, pumpkin. It's it's spooky. There's candlelight. Thoroughly spooked. It's slightly dark in the room, which is good. I have also brought uh, Halloween treats. Oh, so, I didn't know that. <clears throat> How very exciting. Uh, first of all, now this is slightly confusing. So... How would you describe that that image on the front of the packet, Sam? Uh, a small monster. Great. What kind of monster do you think? It's a little blue, oh, kind of like a like a Frankenstein sort of guy. Yeah, great. So if you were going to shape the sweets for the the for Frankie's fizzy sweets, what shape would you go for? Um, I don't know. Uh, like screws or something maybe. Or that's a brilliant idea. Would you like to know what's actually in here? No. Would you like to what? read that out loud? Why is jelly fangs with a fizzy bite? Why is why is Frankenstein monster got fangs, Sam? That's my question. Or maybe the corpse, that particular corpse, they rolled has fangs. (laughs) That is unfortunate. Um, So we have some uh, some some fizzy fangs. Okay, we we won't be eating ASMR because Mum doesn't like it. Don't worry, Mum. No, we'll do it if there's a a a break in the way. Uh, We also. Uh, what's that? Oh, oh. John's just produced a make-your-own-monster gingerbread pumpkin head cookie decorating <laughs> set. <laughs> now, I will be busy during this recording, but I'm hoping... And so, Sam, will I. I'm going to decorate a pumpkin for you and a pumpkin for myself. Excellent. And I'm sure while paying full attention to the story that I'm telling you. Obviously. Yeah. That, that Sam, goes without saying. <laughs> um, so there we go. So now hopefully it feels a little spookier. Here. Very spooky. I hope you're having a spooky Halloween too, listeners. Because your regular Halloween, if you live in England, and we don't give a shit. <laughs> I really like Halloween. Everyone likes Halloween. It's fun. It's sweet. There's, lo- there's loads of multi-packs of sweets. That's the best thing about Halloween. It's the season of sugar. Yay. And this is when all the Christmas food starts coming out of the shop. There have been mince pies since September in the shop there on their own. I know. I bought some. <laughs> Not regular ones, though. Black Forest ones. This can probably be an edit point if you want. No, but... keep it in. Shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> Black Forest mince pies from Aldi. With a, so they're in chocolate pastry with a, a chocolate crumble topping. Oh, John. That sounds deeply erotic. But also, oh, yeah. at what point is a mince pie no longer a mince pie it's... when you have changed nearly all the other constituent parts? It's cherry mince meat. There's some spices. I don't know. It's definitely not like a... It's it not, sounds it's not great. Your grandma's um, mince pie. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say it was. It's not your grandma's mince pie. Oh no. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know how many listeners had uh, five minutes, ten seconds in for the first innuendo that oh, made no. Joe and Sam giggle, but um, that's where we're at. Other supermarkets are obviously uh, available. We're not the BBC, John. <laughs> They're not available. No other supermarkets <laughs> are available. Go Only to Aldi. Aldi. Go now. Don't stop listening to this. Download us on your phone. <laughs> Put your headphones in and go to Aldi. Safely. If um, if you're from Aldi and you're listening, we will accept sponsorship. <laughs> No, John. Some of this can be cut. Yeah. Uh, so good. <laughs> I think probably the Aldi section can go. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> so, um, Sam. Yes, that was my spooky. Yes. It was very. Had <laughs> me lots of spooky, uh, spooky, spooky discussion. Um, that's our other podcast. Spooky, spooky discussion. discussion. <laughs> Tune in or don't. Um, so this this Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. So last Halloween we learned about. Vampires, vampires. Oh no, I don't trust him. He is a vampire. <laughs> I bet we all, we definitely all missed that excellent impression from John. <laughs> that was about 40 minutes of the episode we were doing that vampire voice. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, if you haven't listened to that, listeners, go back. It's a treat. Pop back. It, um, like Halloween last year, then you'd be able to find it. So this Halloween, ooh, I'm going to be telling you about a group from Mexico. Ooh. Ooh. Hence our mariachi beginning, which we never acknowledged or explained. I'm so sorry. No, doing it now is fine. Yeah. It's all, it all becomes apparent. Hence it's like a reveal. Beginning. Keep them listening, Sam. Ooh. Why are John and Sam playing that music? So many layers. Um, this group. John's. I just laughed. John's just distracted me by beginning decorating his little Halloween pumpkin. Just putting some uh, orange icing on the eyes here. Cool. Uh, so we're going to be learning about a group called the Narco Satanists. <laughs> <laughs> Think of a more Halloween name. Is that is that? Let me just guess what the group might be based on their name, Sam. So, is it a group where um, the members have a medical condition where 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 they um, fall asleep <laughs> in the middle of the day and accidentally practice Satanism in their sleep? Yes, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs> or is it a group? Oh no, I know. I, okay. I don't want to necessarily do my narco, so it's going to be the other uh, other application of that, which means, is it going to be about how you can best use drugs to serve Satan? Uh, no. Ooh. Neither of those are Ah, okay. Those were my guesses. But, you know, that they would make more sense. Maybe we should, we should um, even call some, let them know. They're, they're wrongly named. I don't think I want to if they're going to be spooky. So, the narco-Satanists was a cult formed by... A man named, oh, we've got lots of um, me trying to speak Spanish this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, a man named Adolfo Constanzo. Who, ooh, good name. Ooh, who was born November the 1st. Oh, timely. Uh, Sam, this is really appropriate. Well done. Thank you. In Miami, Florida, in 1962, to a lady named Delia Gonzalez, who is a Cuban immigrant, and she was only 15 when she had him. Wow. During my research, I found quite a lot of mum shaming in the in all these articles. Oh, really? Because like she had her first son when she was fifteen. She had three kids after that by three different people. So what? And it, a lot of it was like, is it any surprise what happened? Right? <laughs> no wonder Satan stepped it's, in. It's definitely not her fucking fault. He was a dick. <laughs> anyway, spoilers. Ooh. We um we're on your side, Dee. Yeah. So after um Constanzo's father died when he was really young. Delia and Adolfo moved to Puerto Rico, where she remarried. Puerto Rico, you lovely... Oh, no, cut that out. <laughs> cut that out immediately. <laughs> It'd be fine if I hadn't done it with the accent. I might try and do it without. Puerto Rico, you lovely island. I think that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> where she remarried. Constanzo's stepfather was Catholic, insisted that he was baptised Catholic, so he was, at about kind of four or five years old, um, and he served as an altar boy for a little while. Great. So they would go from Puerto Rico on trips to Haiti, a little holiday, lovely and fun. So Delia would take Constanzo, and together they would go and learn about and practice Haitian voodoo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. this is going to get spooky. I told you, probably Halloween-y, oh, right? Oh, great. Marco Satanist. Fab. Born the day after Halloween. Voodoo. Influence of voodoo. Um, shit. Okay, now, voodoo uh, is a 
religious practice yeah. with with devout and sincere believers. Um, I in no way, uh, you know, want to besmirch that at all. But Sam, if we're talking about voodoo, and I'm going to guess in the direction this is going, uh, the sort of the negative applications of voodoo. Yes. How how safe are you feeling discussing it in this Halloween spooky episode? Um, as as a pure atheist, I feel totally fine. John is looking around at some various belongings that he has, trying to protect himself against voodoo. Now, by no means is this an episode of Coffee and Cult about voodoo. I'm not talking about the religion of voodoo, I'm talking about this particular arsehole. John has just held up a copy of the New Testament and Psalms to <laughs> ward off the voodoo. I think that only works if you believe it, John. Oh, that's, that's maybe true, yes. Yeah. And also, yeah, just negative voodoo, I'm not, not waving off voodoo uh, entirely. If you'd like, Sam, behind you, um, can you see the little blue pouch hanging on a... Again, just more revelations about the no blue, the oh. other one. Great. That is a, um, a Buddhist... Uh, I went to a um, Buddhist meditation thing earlier in the year. That is a um, protect you against evil um, pouch, which I feel you oh, should wear, Sam. You. I think we'd all feel safer if you were protected from evil spirits in the course of this discussion of uh, Satanism hence the Bible and, and the possible practice of voodoo, uh, negative spirits being invoked by voodoo. So there we go. I ju and just, uh, Thank you. Okay, there we so go. So I'm... Sam now, listeners, has a, has her protective amulet on, a Bible in her hand that she is not happy about holding. I'm, I'm really not. This Bible is more dangerous. <laughs> more crimes have been committed in the name of this book. There we there go. We a go. lovely photo of Sam waving a Bible while wearing a Buddhist protective amulet is <laughs> will be in the description of this show. Okay, so I now feel like it's safe to carry on. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, but you know, I mean, timely. He was he was Catholic at the time that he was going over and learning about Haitian voodoo. Right. So the family moved back to Miami in 1972. Um, Adolfo's stepfather unfortunately died of cancer in 1972. Oof, that's right. So the kids gone through quite a lot of. Trauma, losing a couple of dads early in his life. And so have they, did you say they've moved there or they're just holidaying in Haiti? So they've gone, just gone trips to Haiti. Okay. Um, but they, yeah, they, they were living in Puerto Rico and then, and then when the stepfather got ill, they moved to Miami so he could have To Miami, okay. Wait, yeah, so he died in 1973. Delia once again remarried a drug dealer who was a member of a religion called Palo Mayombe. Okay. Which is based in voodoo. It's a different strand to Haitian voodoo. Um, I will explain a little bit more about it in a second. Okay, great. Um, but Constanzo then became an apprentice to the priest of their Palomambi church that they were going to. Oh, wow. So he's like really getting involved in practically some... Yeah, yeah. in the same like Jim Jones wears Daphne, lots of different churches. Yeah, yeah. But then finding one and going, yep. Yeah, cool. This is absolutely what I'm into. Okay, great. So, good question, John. I'll tell you a little bit more about Palomambi. <laughs> Would you like me to actually ask um, you no, a question? I, okay. No, I think it's better that I passively aggressively say that. <laughs> I do too. This is what it's like, listen. A constant abuse. So Palomayombe was developed in Cuba by Central African slaves when they were brought from Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's lots of different branches of it based on kind of the, the different places that it was inherited from. Oh, okay. Um, so there's lots of different ways to practice it, but it comes under this umbrella that is Palomayombe. Okay. They believe in the veneration of spirits, and it's all about like natural and earth powers. All natural objects are infused with power, which is linked to the power of spirits, and so it's how you treat those objects to call the spirits to get to cast these spells based on what you want. Those oh spirits. wow! Okay. So, so if you want the spirit of money, you might burn a particular thing because that has then released the spirit. Ah, okay. So not only are you using the thing to summon a non-corporeal spirit yeah also all of the things you're using have a spirit in them already that you're gonna that you're release. going to yeah you're going to sacrifice this spirit in order to call this spirit oh wow interesting cool cool right that's as much as i i could um understand from researching obviously because it is a religion there's quite a lot yeah yeah and there's a vast range of practices right absolutely so uh the particular practice of palomayombe that Adolfo Constanzo was practicing, focused on, and I'm sorry for this pronunciation, anybody who is more intelligent than I am, it's called a Nganga, okay. N-G-A-N-G-A, -A, so I think that's probably about right, which is um, a consecrated vessel which serves as a microcosm for the earth. Oh, So cool. a, like a cauldron, and within that cauldron, each different element you have in there represents a different part of the earth. Oh, wow, okay. 
Um, is, sorry, you're gonna, probably going to say it in a moment. So is that like a that's something that's used particularly in ceremony? Is that something that everybody has as it part is, of being in the religion? Is it like having a cross at home, or is I it think something? So. Okay. Um. So I think if, if anyone who anyone who wants to cast a spell using Palomayombe would have an ungana. Ah, okay. Because that, that represents the world. Okay. But then obviously there's the 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 priests and stuff have a more important one. Yes, I see. Right. Um. And so it's the the ungana is believed to be um inhabited by a spirit of the dead. Okay. Ooh, it's, right. it is getting so, Halloweeny, folks. Ooh, Halloweeny. So items would be put in, especially sticks, because they set on fire very easily. Yep. Um, but you, they're used for divination and scrying and all that sort of stuff. Mm. John raised his eyebrows because John likes cool stuff. I have I told my scrying story before on this podcast. Let's say no. I don't know if I have. Um, it's a good Halloween story. Is that okay? Mm. Just to take a diversion. So I once went to Glastonbury, the town, not the festival, yeah. which I don't know, listeners, uh, if you've ever been there, but this is a small little town in the middle of uh, Somerset. It's got a brilliant uh, tall hillside with a little sort of castle tower on it, and it has pretty much every new agey or alternative spirituality is based there in one form or another. If you want to go and do shamanism or tarot or wicca or paganism or Buddhism or anything. Druidry. Druidry. You you can go there, which means that the town centre basically every other shop sells spiritual paraphernalia. So you have a yeah. bakery, and then you'll have a crystal shop, a Native American healing shop, um, a pagan uh, robes and wands shop. Like nearly every shop is that kind of stuff. And I, when I was much younger, I was trying to write a play about John D, who was an Elizabethan magician. Right. Uh, and one of the things he used to do was get people to scry for him. So he'd get them to gaze into a um, a black mirror. And then mm. the visions that they would have while staring into that, they would use to try and communicate with angels, basically. Or they thought that's what they were. I'm sure. Doing. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating guy. But he was he's where 007 comes from, because he used to oh. work for Queen Elizabeth I. Oh. And when he was doing like spy intelligence stuff for the British Empire, his sign-off was zero... Zero seven, and that's cool. where Ian Fleming got it from. Cool, but anyway, so so I was trying to write this about him and about scrying. It was going to be a, like a radio play. Yeah. Um, and we were I was in Glastonbury just for a day out because I used to live near there with some friends of mine, and we were in a shop, Sam. Yeah. And in a glass cabinet there was a scrying mirror, <gasps> and I thought I'd quite like to just ha- properly have a look at one because it was made of like a, a obsidian. Oh, nice. So I was like, okay, so I'm so I'm gazing. Yeah. At the scrying mirror, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, in the glass case, um, and the woman that runs the shop came up to me and went, "Ear, you interested in the scrying mirror?" I went, yeah, "Well, yeah," and, and I sort of said, "I'm kind of I've been reading about this guy. I'm just interested to see one." Um, and she went, "Oh, I'll take it out of the cabinet for you then." So she opens, the, gets her key, opens the cabinet. <laughs> My friend Kaylee is sort of hiding at the other end of the shop, going, "Why are you talking to the people in the shop?" And so the the mirror comes out. I hold it in my hand, and at that point, Sam, I go, oh, it's it's just like a black shine. <laughs> I'm not going to learn anything now that I've got it out. Now I can yeah. see it close up. It's short of sitting here and trying to scry now. It's not, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm sort of trying to work out what I now do, because it's also like 50 pounds or something. Yeah. I'm not going to buy it. And she goes, here, what kind of gazing do you like to do then? <laughs> and you I went... Tell her all about your gazing. <laughs> I've seen so many things. Uh, and I kind of went, well, um, uh, and she went, fire gazing, water gazing, cloud gazing, <laughs> tree gazing. <laughs> She's just like yeah. listing all the time. And I sort of go, oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that big a gazer, really. <laughs> 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 and she looked so crushed and disappointed. Oh, that I think felt... we're going to be sand gazing friends or something. <laughs> So I felt really bad for her. Um, so I thought I used to work at Stonehenge, and you know, people—I don't necessarily believe this is true in any meaningful way—but people used to say that there's some kind of energy thing at Stonehenge that you can pick up using things like dowels and rods and stuff. So I used to play with that while I was doing the tour. We'd have a go at dowsing to sort yeah. of explore that that idea. And so I went, oh, but I did used to do some um, some dowsing at Stonehenge when I used to work there as a tour guide. Um, and she went, I don't really like Stonehenge. <laughs> I went, oh, well, yeah, it's a bit like the McDonald's of sacred sites now, right? They try and get you in and out really quickly. It's not. Yeah. She went, yeah, well, you see, <clears throat> we're under attack, aren't we? 
but then we've always been under attack. Oh. Like, eye contact is happening now. Yeah. And I went, oh, right. And then, <laughs> Sam, she said, what might be my favourite thing a human being has said to me in my whole life. She said, it's like the dark things hanging in the sky above us. Even you must know that they're there. Oh, no. Oh, no, Jack. What? No. No. <laughs> I went, uh-huh. <laughs> and then she went, oh, you know, and it's, um, it's like, um, you know, we just have to trust in source, right? We just have to trust in the source because that will that oh. will protect us against the dark things that you must be able to feel hanging around us, even here in Glastonbury. You know, it's diff because it's difficult here, isn't it? You know, and then I sort of lost track of what she was saying, and then the next thing I remember her talking about is the Saxons, and she was oh. going, "Bloody Saxons! The Saxons ruined it. Bloody pig swillers! Bloody <laughs> pig swillers! They were the start of the problem. The bloody Saxons!" Wow. And uh, and at that point, I think she realised that I wasn't going to to buy anything, that we weren't yeah. going to bond over our types of gazing, and so I just sort of had to go. Okay, well, um, uh, thank you very much. I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to uh, go. Bye. And and, uh, and I I, oh, I haven't no. really gazed since that. But when you said scrying, I just thought that's too good. A... I wonder if I wonder what the black things in the sky were. Ooh. I don't know. I wasn't aware of them, no matter how confident she was that that I might be. <laughs> she could see it. And... You just have to accept the black things in the sky, John. Do you think she just maybe saw shadows once and got confused? Or like a black bin bag was, uh, was flying like in the air or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> spooky. There we go. There's a spooky story. A spooky story. Okay. Where was it? So we're talking about Palamayombe. Yeah. So in in the Nganga, in your in your cauldron, as I said, you might put like sticks or little bits and bobs. Um, but this particular denomination, not all denominations of Palamayombe. Let me make okay. it clear. This particular denomination included animal sacrifice. Okay, well that's really common, isn't it? In yeah. in using particularly chicken parts, right? In lots of these kind of things, I have occasionally yeah. seen video of that kind of. Is it? You might not. Is it really structured as a? Is there like an organisation? No. Nope. In terms of the original, it's just people that practice it as like voodoo masters, so, voodoo. I'm sure people? there is. I didn't. Oh, sorry, not. I did strictly voodoo. No, I didn't. My research was specifically about this guy and yeah. all the weird shit he did. I'm sure there are structured ways of, of performing Palomayombe, but this guy, not particularly one of them. <laughs> Constanzo, he's just this just this apprentice to this Haitian voodoo priest. He's a teenager. He gets in a bit of trouble. He's like a petty criminal. He steals stuff and chops. He's a little bit of vandalism. Great. Good. Quite, not, not great that he's doing that, sir. No, quite a... Um, Oh, let me just hide that bit. So I'm going to just show John a picture here. Oh, great. Just quite a handsome guy. Quite a handsome guy. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Quite, oh, I just quite span out by the something around my neck. Quite the, chinny. Quite chinny, yeah. He's um, rocking listeners the kind of 70s open shirt, hairy chest, medallion kind of look. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So because he's good looking, um, he, he gets on quite well with a lot of people, as is like attractive The people. want of good looking yeah, people. Attractive people, and... people joy. So he starts practicing fortune telling with his, you know, with all the experience he's had with the um, with the Haitian priest. He starts practicing fortune telling. Ooh. At age eighteen, he predicts that there's going to be an attempt on Ronald Reagan's life, which there then was. <gasps> so I was so <laughs> yeah. alarmed. I temporarily <laughs> that's pretty high on John's scale of alarm. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. That's kind of. That's so this is the episode, cool. listeners, where I tell you it's all legit. It's all true. <laughs> so not, no, no, no. I mean, guessing that a president, particularly a mildly controversial one like Ronald Reagan, yeah. might have an assassination attempt is pretty, that's a pretty safe bet, isn't it? But I suppose I mean, in some terms. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, you got yeah, it. Yeah, you can't, so you can't take that away from him. That's a fact. Wow. Um, and so people are coming and paying for him to do fortune telling and things for yeah. him as well. <laughs> so in his early 20s, uh, as, as he's a sort of a bad guy, he pledges himself to the equivalent in Palomayombe of the devil, huh. which is called Kadiempembe. Okay. Kadiempembe. I think that's what it is. You said his name twice now. If you say it three times, is that Kadiempembe? Oh, like Beetlejuice. No. Um, Thank goodness you've got that amulet. I've got this, yeah, this monastery thing. Oh, it's falling out. And he moves to Mexico City. Oh, there's another fun picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> there's a real, like, 70s 
I mean, that one's almost a bit like a knitwear model kind of pose, isn't it? Yeah, really, oh yeah, definitely. It could be in like a catalogue, right? It's something very periody. I'm, I'm just going to, sorry, take this break to hand you a, a, a decorated wow, cookie. Wow, so spooky. Take a picture of it. <laughs> so he moved to Mexico City, and this is where he begins his cult. Yay! So he recruits um, three men, Martin Quintana Rodriguez, Omar Oria Ochoa, and Jorge Montes. I feel like they all have appropriate names for this practice other than Martin. Martin, Omar, and Jorge. But Jorge is just George, but it's Spanish, right? Yeah. But at least he's made an effort to be, to be South yeah. American. <laughs> How could he? Oh, I'm sure it's Martin. Not like Martin, yeah. not like Martin from oh, Sales. Martin. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing it now as someone who like works in photocopier. Sorry, I'm oh. saying it in my monolingual white lady way. <laughs> But no, I, I, I'm imagining it like that, like this okay. group of feisty Mexican men and then just Martin. Martin. <laughs> like just in a, in a like beige tie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's very much responsible for the admin of this uh, Satanist cult. <laughs> um, so Constanzo begins a sexual relationship with two of these men. So it's, I bet it's the one that's not Martin. It's Martin. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 nobody's having sex with Martin at this point. Sorry, um, attorney Martin's who are listening. We don't. Oh. Just in, by comparison, I'm sure you. I'm sure you have lots of sex, Martin. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so he claims um one of these people is his is his man, his boyfriend, okay. and one of them is his girlfriend, despite them both being biologically and identifying as being male. Hmm, that's confusing. Yeah, but that's how he kind of justified it to himself. Oh, I see. Way. That's how he's allowed to have more than one because he's doing yeah. that one he from each have category. Two boyfriends. He has one boyfriend and one girlfriend. Ooh. I wonder if anyone's ever used that as an excuse and had somebody go, oh yeah, fair enough, yeah. fair play. Cool. <laughs> um, so as his as his reputation grew for like his um his fortune telling and him being this attractive man who would sleep with lots of people, the cult started to grow. So the group would call him Padrino, which means Godfather. Okay. Ooh, slightly gangster vibe, great. Mm. They started selling his fortune-telling, tarot readings, cleansing rituals to the community in Mexico City. Members of his group would be marked with symbols on their arms and back to denote their position in the group. Oh, wow. So, his, so like, Jorge, Like tattoos like, or, like, yeah, painted? Like scars, I think. Ooh, yeah, that would be that would be me out in front, you know. I'll maybe have a small that's tattoo, but if you're going to... A small tattoo is fine, but if you're going to like scar a symbol into my back, I don't think. That's, yeah, no. I think I'm out at that point. So at, at his peak, they had over thirty clients. Mm, right. Okay. So these clients were gangsters and like drug lords and drug criminals. And basically, what he would offer them are are blessings, rituals for good luck and protection. Okay, so, so the in, feds don't get you. Exactly. <gasps> also, some corrupt law officials were attracted to it, like. They would be offered protection from criminals, so he was playing everyone. Oh, both sides. And... Wow. Yeah. Animal sacrificing his way to secure. Is that have we misunderstood that scene in The Godfather where a horse's head <laughs> is in his bed? Is it actually <laughs> like a protective charm? Perhaps. <gasps> Maybe. I've never seen The Godfather. That's very bad. Of That's right. We won't tell anyone. Yeah. No one heard. <laughs> um. So these um these like gangsters, these drug criminals. Were, wanted more and more and more from him so uh he would you know in the beginning he was sacrificing like goats and chickens but that wasn't enough for some people so he would grow and sacrifice zebras and even a couple of lion cubs what? no i did not see that oh ooh. yeah that's pretty heartbreaking uh-huh zebras and lion cubs yeah wow so he was raising them he was getting them for that yeah. or getting Getting hold of them. That's either a zoo getting increasingly disappointing as time goes on. <laughs> hey, mummy, we're going to see the lions. <laughs> no, darling, they've all been sacrificed. <laughs> oh, God, that's grim, isn't it? Yeah. I'm I sure don't know. I'm really sorry, zebras. It's just as sad that you're being sacrificed. But there's something particularly yeah, like about lion cubs. That... Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because they're so precious, aren't they? No. I'm sure you're wondering, John, how much something like this might cost. If I wanted, if I wanted you to. Kill a lion cub for me, yeah. Sam, to protect me and help my criminal dealings succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, how much would how much would you charge? Three thousand one hundred dollars. 
I can't work out if that's a bargain or too expensive. Well, I, I think for three thousand one hundred dollars, I'd rather you just give me the lion cub, right? Oh. I'll raise it as my friend. That would be cool. That, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have exotic pets. The exotic pet trade is largely immoral and terrible. But it would oh, be oh, lovely to have a baby lion. <laughs> Did you know, again, just to do the other dark topics, was it Himmler in the Nazi party had a pet lion? No, really? And there's this really odd footage of him. I think it was Himmler or who would the other one be? Um, Goering. I know very little about the Nazis. One of them. There's a really good BBC docudrama about, about the rise of the Nazi party, which is why I saw it. And there's a little black and white film clip of him sat on like his the veranda of his house somewhere in Germany. Yeah. And he's got a little lion cub walking up and down oh. that he's sort of petting and, and sort of turning to the camera and going, Look how cute my lion cub is I mean you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just yeah, just even, I don't know, there's something really incongruous. Lions are cute. <laughs> there's there's another T shirt slogan oh, no. for us when we sometimes do <laughs> much. But don't worry, John, they're not all as expensive as lions. Oh, it's only, few. only six dollars to have a rooster sacrifice. Oh, that makes me feel really bad for the rooster. Um, one drug dealer spent over $40,000 with them over two years. So getting, how many, let's do some maths. That's a lot of zebras. It's like 13 um, lions, right? Oh, wow. That's far too much animal cruelty. Mm -hmm. So at his peak, as I said, he had over 30 people coming and paying him for various rituals, spells, blessings, protection, all that. He bought a $60,000 condo in Mexico City, several luxury cars. He had four members of the federal judicial police, like members of the group, including... Oh, wow. So he is signed and sealed both ways then, right? Completely, yeah, bolstered in there, um, including a person called Florentio Ventura Gutierrez, who was a retired federale who was the head of the Mexican branch of Interpol. (sighs) So he had some big fish in his little pond. I mean, this is like every conspiracy theory ever, right? That the high up people in police and government are secretly using black magic and doing stuff. Wow. Yeah. In 1985, as he as he like started to grow, suddenly suddenly animals suddenly weren't enough. So they started robbing graves to use human remains. Because isn't um graveyard dirt is quite a common like ingredient in voodoo and hoodoo? Oh really? Spells, I think. Again, I was once in a shop in Glastonbury, <laughs> looking in a different glass cabinet. Right. At, so I think I just um, wanted some incense or something, and they went, oh, oh you could so buy you. some incense. <laughs> or, and then she took out a bottle and handed it to me and went, graveyard dirt. And I uh, started trying to ask questions about where they got their graveyard dirt from. Yeah. And I think that was from Louisiana. Louisiana graveyard dirt. Yeah, but they were very evasive about how they'd actually got right. a hold of it but we're selling like a 20 got... pound bottle of wow. dirt to use in your hoodoo rituals but cool. body parts is far worse yeah yeah uh, but surely like with the world as it is surely everywhere's a graveyard right yeah it's a bit of a false economy isn't it yeah there you go there's a good tip for anyone practicing voodoo or hoodoo Just at home somewhere. pretty much any yeah. gonna have a dead body near it some that is a good there's another good halloween thought for the listeners mm-hmm. pretty much Somewhere near you right now. Oh no, I hope there's not a dead body too near you. I hope you are safe, listeners. That was a bit spooky. In 1986, Ventura Gutierrez, the ex-Interpol guy, introduces Constanzo to a crime family called the Calzada crime family. Mm. (laughs) What I've written in my notes is, this is the full sentence, they dealt drugs. <laughs> that that is a crime. Yes, there we go. Yeah, they're doing the crime family thing right. So Constanzo successfully performed some protection spells for them, and they were really pleased. And so Constanzo goes, "Cool, okay, we'll make me a full partner in your business." And they're like, "Well, you just you just do spells, and we get a lot of money from all these drugs. Like, this isn't an mm. equal beneficial thing. We're gonna say no." Oh dear. Oh, this dear. is suggesting to. This is suggesting tension and disharmony that might make this all go very dark, listeners. Yeah. <sighs> so, at the end of April 1987, Constanzo's cult kidnapped Guillermo Calzada Sanchez and six other members of the Calzada crime family. Now, I don't know much about working in organised crime, but no, I would say that one John, of the... John, the university lecturer, does not know a lot about it. 
Some would say I don't know anything about it, but I know at least that that is a really bad move. I mean, yeah. Constantly. Like, that is a declaration of war, right? Sure. So these people were kidnapped, they were tortured, Ooh. mutilated, and murdered. Their bodies were found in the Zampango River nearby. However, these bodies were not whole. The fingers, toes, brains, hearts, testicles, and one of their spines had been removed Ooh. and used by Constanzo in his spells. A spine! He took a spine! What what spell is it that needs a spine? What spine spell? A bravery? I don't know. Give yourself a backbone? Wait. And they literally oh. give you one. I mean, that's a good way to get a good, like, Yelp review, which is like, <laughs> he said he'd give me a backbone, yeah. and he did. So, fingers, toes, oh. brains, hearts, testicles, and a spine got taken from these six people. Ooh, I'm now just imagining the very creepy storage arrangement that he has for all of these things. So, one would assume they would be put into the Unganga and burnt in rituals, right? Mm-hmm. Two months later, Constanzo sees a pretty lady. Ah, oh, she is pretty. Although she has a bit of a Kevin Keegan hairstyle. <laughs> she does have Kevin Keegan hair. Sees this pretty lady driving along in a car, and so he cuts her off in traffic, so she has to stop. Oh, right? that is a dick move. Absolutely. Um, her name is uh, Sara Maria Villarreal Albrete. Sorry for my Spanish pronunciation. Sara Maria Villarreal Albrete. Yeah, it has been very good so far. Thank podcast. you. <laughs> Her boyfriend was a drug dealer named Gilberto Sosa, who was associated with the Hernandez crime family. Sosa suddenly receives this anonymous phone call saying Albrete is seeing another man, and so he splits up with her. So now, Constanzo can swoop in and actually get into a relationship with Albrete. Oh, okay. And she's from a different crime family, is yeah. that right? So this is a third crime family now. Uh, yeah, a whole nother one. <sighs> and is he still, sorry, is he still knocking off the two male members of his... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. He's still, he's still gay. <laughs> if I have to, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I prefer my uh, Satanist voodoo to be at least bisexual. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> I hate that heteronormative voodoo. <laughs> so... Um, so Aldrete, she's a young woman. She's currently studying at, um, I think it was Texas Southwestern University, so like just across the border from Mexico. Mm -hmm. So she would go and be studying in the day, and then come and be in the cult in the evening. She. That's the best time to be at a cult. You never, <laughs> you never get any like early morning cult meetings <laughs> or, or like a cult noon. That never happens. No, no, it's never cult day drinking. Always an evening session. <laughs> So In she, our cult, Sam, it will be dated. <laughs> um, she becomes like super fixated on this. How like a young woman might get a fixation on a band or something. Mm -hmm. She becomes fixated on this cult. Wow. Everything is about this cult. It's about Constanzo, about his teachings, about his spells. Like she's totally obsessed with this Ooh. guy. Does he, she have the same scar? Oh, the same Oh, maybe. Maybe. But he becomes obsessed with her as well. They have this like folly do thing. They like completely obsessed with each other. He names her La Madri Madrina, which is godmother. So he's godmother. <laughs> she's good. Yeah, the other way around. He's yep. godfather, she's godmother. She becomes the high priestess of the cult. Can I just flag something up at this point? Flag away, Sam. Flagging away. It's 1987. He's only 25. He's only 25 years old. <sighs> that requires a whole level of self-confidence, doesn't it? To be I mean, running a religion at 25. Yeah, I mean... Both of us are over 25 and we don't even own a house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> much less, much less somebody else's spine in a <laughs> freezer. That's where we're missing out. Us millennials, we need to get more spine. <laughs> no, then there'll just be articles about our millennials ruining voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is the answer. Wow. So in... Um, 1988, Constanzo and his group moved to um, a compound in the Mexican desert oh, called God. Rancho Santa Elena. Nothing good ever happens at a compound. No. Nah. So this is where he's storing 800 kilograms of marijuana. It's a lot of marijuana. That's a lot. He also turns his specialism to human sacrifice. 
So yeah. they would kidnap sex workers, drug dealers, and homeless people. In May of 1988, he killed Hector de la Fuente and Moises Castillo. In July of 88, he killed and dismembered Raul Paz Esquivel, who was a, quote, transvestite, quote, and a former lover of one of his three original cult August of 88, one of his cult members is kidnapped by another crime family. So as revenge, he kidnaps and sacrifices a stranger, using that stranger's death to chance for the cult member's return. November of 88. And, and, and did it work? I don't know. Oh. November of 88, cult member Jorge Valente violated a ban on using drugs. So they would sell them, but not use them. Mm-hmm. So Constanto killed him as an example to the other members. Ooh. Okay, yeah, this is getting bleak really fast. Uh, yeah, I wasn't finished, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, February of 1989. So he has a little break for Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's reasonable. Three drug dealers, Ezequiel Rodriguez Luna, Ruben Vela Garza, and Ernesto Rivas Diaz are tortured and killed at the ranch. One week later, Constanzo tries to kidnap another stranger, but they put up too much of a fight, so they just get shot. Ooh, Doesn't okay. even get, like, he's lost yeah, the sacrifice yeah. and stuff now, he's just gone out and killed him. Yeah, straight out murking yep. people, Jesus. Two days after that, they kidnap and sacrifice someone else that accidentally turns out to be one of the, a cousin of one of the cult members, but they didn't realise until it was too late. Oh, uh, well, that's what happens if you go around killing and sacrificing strangers, right? Yeah. Do you, at least, here's my other piece of advice. <laughs> At least, yeah. at least check their ID first. Yeah, so, oh shit, that was uh, Martin's cousin. <laughs> oh, poor <laughs> Martin. <laughs> no, not, not oh, Paul it's Martin. Oh, it's not funny, Jesus. Yeah, so um, that was quite, inten- quite an intense run of murders, right? So he has a little break. Yeah, now. that's really regular as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like every month, every couple of months, a little break. Just a little break for two weeks, though, John, not, not too long. So he was, he, Constanzo had started to get nervous about how much weed he, weed he had in his compound. Oh, yeah, that, don't worry about the fact you've got someone's fucking spine in your freezer. Don't worry about shooting people in the street. Worry yeah. about your weed. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to do another ceremony for protection, but the, the like, the drug dealers, the sex workers, the people that he was getting nearby just weren't cutting it. They weren't quite good enough to protect his farm. So he tells his cult members to, and I can't remember the exact wording of this and I didn't write it down, but basically that he wanted them to find him a white man that would scream. So on the 14th of March, they find Mark Kilroy. Who is a Texan pre-med student who was down in Mexico for spring break. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, this is tragic. Kilroy was killed with a machete blow to the head. This Around this same week, Constanzo also kills Gilberto Sosa, Sara Aldrete's ex-partner. Literally killed that man. Wow. However... I wish, just to try and put some lightness in at this point, listeners, I wish you'd seen the mime that Sam did of <laughs> sneakily killing someone on the sneakily side. Sneakily little, yeah. Uh, I was trying to work out how to describe it. You know the um, walk like an Egyptian dance, just the back hand of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Ben. So this is where he's fucked up, right? He's, he's gone wrong here. All his previous victims have been the less dead, right? Mm. He's picked a, a white pre-med American. Mm. So Kilroy's family, um, they've got political connections. So they offer up a big reward for information leading to Mark's return. God, it's so heartbreaking, isn't it, that it yeah. takes that for anything to be done about somebody who's been offering someone once a month. Absolutely. Jesus. So Mexican officials now come under pressure from Texan politicians. They all knew, Mexican officials all knew who it must have been. Mm. But they've got to get to him. Some of them are in his pocket. Blah, blah, blah. So 1st of April, a, a drug dealer and a, a client of Constanzo, whose name is Serafin Hernandez Garcia, mm is driving away from Rancho Santa Elena and drives through a police check. He drives through confidently because he truly believed himself to be protected by an invisibility charm Constanzo had sold him. <laughs> he thought he was invisible in his car. <laughs> oh, and so the Matamoros police pull him over, they stop him, they take him back to Rancho Santa Elena where they find drugs and guns, they arrest Hernandez. However, Constanzo, Aldrete and... Ocho, what's his name? Constanzo, Aldrete, Martin, <laughs> another member called um, Alvaro El Dubi de Leon. El Dubi? El Dubi. I think it's probably what we think it means. Mm. They all have fled. 
Okay. All escaped. So with their own invisibility. With their own invisibility spells. Constanto had read betrayal in his tarot cards, and so had got skeeved out and escaped. Was that his own betrayal in providing a fraudulently non-invisibility spell <laughs> that meant the guy got caught? Oh, layers, probably. Mm. So Hernandez confessed to it all on the group's behalf, to the kidnap and murder of Mark Kilroy, to the murders of these 14 other Oh, people. wow, so he properly goes... Uh, yeah, so he'd been arrested on drugs and guns, right? But then the police get him and he goes, yeah, cool, and we also killed all these guys. Is that, is that a direct quote? That was, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that cool, so... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they went back to Rancho Santa Elena, they excavated, they found 15 buried bodies. Some reports say there were remains from more than 25 bodies, but this is unconfirmed. So it could have been grave robbing, oh, stuff, I see. Yeah, yeah. been people that they killed, blah, blah. Mm. Also, they found the Nganga, the cauldron, containing bones, a roasted turtle shell, the head and feet of a rooster, a goat's head and a horseshoe. Do you want to see a picture? So yes. there are actual human remains yes. in there as well. You can see the little remains of the rooster, though. The little foot. Yeah. yeah. Poor turtle. Where do you get a turtle? That, that poor ocean. Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, this zoo is rubbish now. Um, this little charm keeps spinning me out. Spooky. Is it spooky? There's been spooky stuff happening while we... As we were setting up, listeners, we were knocking stuff over. There was... <laughs> that was so spooky. <laughs> Not just some clumsy people <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the spooky season. So there was a shack on this property. So they had their, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't know, just the way you said shack, shack. then. It was um, like shaft. Shack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to start that again. Cut that song. Oh, sorry. Um, so there was the compound that they were living in, and then there was also a hut on the property where these rituals would take place. This is a bit savage. Um, one officer described it as looking like a human slaughterhouse oh. with congealed blood, human hair, animal parts, a charred human brain, coconut shells, cigars, liquor, an iron bed frame, duct tape, and a blood-caked machete and hammer. Oh, that is grim. Mm-hmm. grim. How, much, how much blood does there have to be for that? Two cult members uh, that were arrested were rumoured to be wearing necklaces made from human spines when they were arrested, and they would That's say. That's some ostentatious jewellery, isn't it? Presumably smaller bits of spines, <laughs> not. Like, like, not a whole who is that? Spine at all. Is it vanilla rice? Who is it? That oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they believed that these necklaces made from spines made them impervious to bullets. I, I mean, I suppose if they hit the spine rather than you, then. Oh, God, madness, isn't it? Yeah, so they were looking for the police were looking for Constanto still. Like they got all the they got all the spooky shit, fine, but they didn't know who he was. Mm. So they went they went to his home in Mexico City. He wasn't there, mm. but they found a torture chamber there as well. And he he was all the while Constanto's planning to free Mex to flee Mexico. Mm. So the police are probably like they're pretty aware that that Constanto is he's really concerned about what's happening to his. You know his his religious place. This Rancho Santa Elena is his place that he does all his ceremonies. Yeah, right? yeah. He's going to be paying attention to what's happening there. So just to fuck with him, they ordered it to be exercised and then burnt to the ground. Whoa! <laughs> so they okay. show it on telly. Just them burning this place, them exercising this place. He was just pissed right off. Okay. Wow, I bet. Yeah. I wonder what the sort of the yeah the implication is of. Because isn't it these kind of practices often sometimes like combine like Catholic saints and things yeah. as well, right? So it's a bit of a yeah. So I wonder yeah, what it's like, like the equivalent to. So he was um, I can't remember how to say it now. I can't be bothered to scroll up. The equivalent of the devil. Mm. So in the devil is a different name and all sorts of different things, but it means the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like, they do the same thing with saints and things. Yeah. I just wonder what kind of yeah what kind of pitch battle that is then if the you know the Catholic Church are invoking things against the. Uh, yeah. Wow. Ooh. Like um, West Side Story, the Jets and the Sharks, the Catholics da, and the Hindus. <laughs> so April is when the um, April the first is when the compound is raided. Okay. Sixth of May, police in Mexico City are going door to door looking for a missing child, completely unrelated to Constanza. They knocked on the door, particular door. John's looking for somewhere to do some foley work. 
thank you, we, none of us knew what a knock on a door was like. <laughs> and then suddenly some gunshots come out from behind the door. Pew, pew, pew. Yes, and they are from Star Wars lasers. <laughs> um, so they have found Constanza. Ah. They knock on the door, he shoots out of the door. 45 minutes of a standoff. Um, so he is inside this house with uh, Sara Aldrete, Martin Quintana, um, El Dubi, and Constanzo. Four of them in there. 180 police officers outside. Holy shit, yes, they're not fucking around yeah. then. Only one police officer was injured during this film. No police officer died. Hooray! Okay. Constanzo didn't want to get arrested. So he's in. <laughs> he's in oh, this, I see. Yeah. But he, didn't, he just didn't want to get caught. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so he's in this house, and so orders El Dubi to shoot him and Quintana. Oh, wow, okay. Which he did, with a machine gun. So there is a picture of him, if you don't, do you want to see it? You don't want to see it? No, go on, go on, it's Halloween, let's embrace the creepy spirit of the... Oh, There is, you can see it on Murderpedia, it's not a very nice picture. It's him, it's Constanzo and Quintana, dead, shot dead in a wardrobe. Yikes. Yikes indeed. So when Constanzo was dead, Aldrete and El Dubi put their hands up, were like, nope, we're, we're not going to fight you anymore. So they were arrested, along with 12 other cult members, and they were charged with various offences, murder, drug trafficking, firearm offences, and obstruction of justice. And this was based on the um, offences in Mexico, the Mexican. Yeah, so, okay. Right? Aldrete Hernandez and another member, his name's Elio, were sentenced to over 60 years each. El Dubi just re- received a 30-year sentence, and that was for the killing of Constanzo and Martin. Oh, okay. I suppose that's something they can definitely get him on, that's right? Yeah. Rather than the other stuff, which might be a bit more tricky to prove in court. Do any of the like police and like the sort of the people of his network get sprawled into it as well? I I don't I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. So, however, none of them were prosecuted for Mark Kilroy's murder, despite having confessed to it, because it means that if any of them ever get out, they can be extradited to the US, and the American authorities can then further prosecute them for Mark Kilroy's murder. So, that's pretty much the end of the story. They're all dead. They're all in prison. Um, A little bit of joy for the end. Uh, Mark Kilroy's family started a non-profit anti-drug foundation in Mark's name. Uh, you can find that at the markkilroyfoundation.org okay. and they offer at-risk youth intervention, counselling, summer programmes and anti-drug scholarships. Oh, great. Well, again, that's, at least that's a, so, a, little a bit good of joy thing coming out of the, the incredible darkness. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that it. Was John, that's the story of the narco-satanist. Well done. Thank very you. good. Very well told. Is that is that something they called themselves or is that what they sort of become known as? They, from yeah, it was what they were no now. Oh, that's what they like. Yeah. Spooky. That is so I mean that just the haunting black and white image of the um cauldron that gives yeah. you all kinds of shudders as to what else might have been in there over I know and different yeah, times. remnants of bleh, it. The idea of that hut just being the police officer who goes into that hut as the you know, the first yeah. person to go in and see And to see the horror that is in there. Like horrendous congealed blood human hair animal parts a charred human brain that poor little roasted turtle coconut shells cigars liquor an iron bed frame duct tape i mean just the storytelling of how you then fill in the blanks of how those things end up there is just horrendous enough i think yeah exactly so there is a creepy creepy halloween story um, thank you to Rolling Stone to the Criminal Minds Wikipedia page for some reason. Mm, cool. Because uh, they did an episode based on this that okay. wasn't actually this. Uh, but for some reason, that page had a lot, of, a good lot of good information. Great, great. Um, and good old Murderpedia as well. Oh. It's really interesting, isn't it? That kind of superstition amongst criminal. I'm sure we've sort of touched on this a few times in previous episodes of like criminal gangs that really go for that kind of yeah, um, magic. magic and. I guess you're desperate for protection in any way that you yeah, sure. can get hold of it, right? If you're yeah, willing to strain morality elsewhere. Mm. But so not not the cultiest cult, but definitely a cult. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. absolutely a cult. Mm. 
Is there any? I just I suppose we might because nobody officially still practicing or part of that group because they're all in prison now or dead, right? Yeah, no. So his his particular group is by no means what the Palamayande religion is. Oh no no yeah no. So, yeah. Um. So there are definitely still people that practice that religion because it is just a religious yeah. stance. Um. But his particular fucked upness was just That's purely for him and his guys. It's such a weird progression as well, isn't it? To be you know. Killing roosters now and again for a bit for a ritual purpose, and then suddenly it's a lion cub, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it's Jeff from down the road. Yeah, I just that again. This thing you just go, how? What's that? That escalation. Yeah. Where does that, yeah. I suppose you just get used to the previous horror, and then that takes the edge off the next thing. I guess. Yeah. Well, it it kind of this is where it kind of crosses over into the true crime sort of serial killer vibe. Rather yeah. Yeah. Than yeah. Rather than the Jim Jones cult guy vibe. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know whether yeah, you class um, him as a psychopath, but you assume there's a certain level of that in terms of the manipulation and fanaticism and willingness yeah. to do terrible, terrible things. But he was sixth uh, of May eighty nine. He was twenty seven. Twenty seven years old when he died. So he'd done all that stuff. That's so long, by... isn't it? He's not allowed in the twenty seven club. He's not a member. <laughs> no, no, yeah, he definitely shouldn't be um, gained in Oh, no, actually, because it was before November, so he's 26 when okay, he died. Okay, yeah, he's definitely not in the 27 club then. But that's he extraordinary, 26. 26. Yeah. To any 26-year-olds listening, you know, fuck your idea. If you founded a criminal empire in your own religion... Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but Sarah Aldrete had only been with him for, like, a year and a half. And, and now he's serving totally... 60 years in prison because she was with him through all of these murders. Just just a completely different world, isn't it? The way you think about yourself and your life and everything is yeah. so different. Mm-hmm. But in terms of that cult thing, you've got that isolation, you've got the us and them, we're yeah, protected yeah, yeah. by his magic. They're not, they've got to pay to be in, they're all obsessed, they've got names for each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm an extreme control over the, what you do and how you practice life. Yeah. That was... Very spooky and pretty horrific in part. Sam, thank yeah. you so much. I what a good Halloween episode. For gore at the beginning. Yeah, there thank was you, definitely man. gore. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. Very well told. Thanks. Um, that is our Halloween Ooh. episode, listeners. We hope you uh, enjoyed a level of uh, spookiness and darkness <laughs> for your October. Oh, just before we finish, um, I would love to say, hopefully, <coughs> congratulations to. Joe, my colleague, who uh, is proposing to his girlfriend tomorrow, um, and I can say that because she's not going to listen before it happens. Great. So yeah, congratulations. I'll let you know That's exciting. Or not, but congratulations, Joe. Oh, bless. Well done, Joe. <laughs> Turn out, I was going to try and connect that to voodoo somehow. But no, I'm not there, I hope there's no connection. So it's just a little. Oh, I bet a voodoo wedding is interesting, though. I don't know. So if you liked listening to this episode, please tell your friends. Please tell us. Call us. Don't call us. Email us. Don't call us. We're not going to give oh. our numbers out. 07. Uh, email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com or find us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the Twitters, Coffee and Cults. If you would like to, please leave us a review or rate us wherever you get your podcasts from, particularly if you use uh, Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Uh, that would really help us out. And do genuinely tell your friends. Share it around. Uh, we'd love more people to be listening and um, yeah, do uh, help us out in that way. If you'd like to uh, support us, you could buy us a one-off uh, coffee. So we've been having uh, seasonally appropriate gingerbread lattes during the course of this uh, recording. It has been a very gingerbread-based episode, hasn't it? <laughs> it has this been. It's quite more Christmassy than it is Halloweeny. But all this, but they're pumpkin this is just all being, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Um, if you would like to support us more regularly, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash coffee and cults, um, where you will also find some cool stuff that we post every here and, there, here and then. Yep, there's some bonus material there. It also helps us do this uh, regular program. You can also buy us a one-off copy of gingerbread latte or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, pumpkin, pumpkin. I can't say the word pumpkin. There we go. You got it. <clears throat> uh, spice or whatever that might be. You can do that at coffeeko-fi.com forward slash coffee and cults. Um, and give us a one-off donation. Thank you very much. That would really help us out and help us to do even more recording and podcasting. Otherwise, we hope you have a spooky 
Halloween. Have a spooky Halloween. Be safe. Have fun. Don't do anything with anybody's spine. You know, I think that's just a blanket. Just generally, not even just at this time of year, just in life. Leave <laughs> people's spines Leave alone. Leave other people's spines alone. There we go. And on that note of spine-based wisdom, <laughs> we wish you a happy Halloween and we will see you again very soon. For part two of Heaven's Gate. Woo! Woo! We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Cue spooky Mexican playoff music.